Welcome to Church in the Basement, where we seek to see God more clearly and to live a life loving God and loving others. Well, hello everyone. My name is Max. We are back in the basement, and today we are in John chapter 20. Uh, Previously on the podcast, we've been talking through a question and answer question given by Thomas, answer given by Jesus, where Thomas says, We're, we don't know the way. Uh, what is the way? And Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me, pointing to himself as the way in which we go forward in the life that Christ has provided for us on the cross through his perfect life, his horrific death, and his raising from the grave, Uh, defeating sin and death. And we talked through those different elements, not exhaustively, but touched on those different elements, the way, the truth, and the life. And now we're segueing to where we're at, at Encounter, uh, the community that I get to care for and serve and teach at on pretty much a weekly basis. And we are in John chapter 20, and actually this text is talking about Thomas once again, so it's a perfect segue uh, into where we're going to be tracking from here on out. So here in John chapter 20, we are in verse 24. We've seen Jesus, uh, he's, he's risen from the dead. Uh, we've seen Mary Magdalene and a few other ladies show up to the tomb. We've seen Peter and John show up to the tomb, and what has been found has been two angels sitting on either side of the bed where Jesus was laid. The cloth was folded up, and it gives us sort of this picture of the mercy seat of God, uh, pointing back to the temple, the meeting place uh, of between the meeting place where where humanity would meet with God in the Old Testament, that Jesus is pointing to himself saying, I am the meeting place now. I am, in a sense, replacing the mercy seat. And so has this encounter with Mary, has this encounter with Peter and John, and then he reveals himself uh, to the disciples, and even others. But somebody was missing. Somebody was missing from the scene, and that was Thomas. And that's where we are here now in verse 24. Hopefully, I paraphrase that pretty well. I encourage you, though, uh, don't take my word for it. Go back and read uh, the rest of chapter 20 uh, if you are not up to speed with where we are at. I just encourage you to read it anyway. Scripture is the way that we discover who God is and how he relates with us, how he loves us and pursues us and is waiting for us in the quiet places. So read scripture, read scripture. With any of this that we're talking about today, I encourage you to go back, read it for yourself, meditate on it. It's so important. So here we are in verse 20. Let's read this together. Now Thomas, one of the 12 called the twin, was not with them when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, we have seen the Lord. But he said to them, unless I see in his hands the marks of the nails and and place my fingers into the mark of the nails and place my hand into his side, I will never believe. 
eight days later. His disciples were inside again, and Thomas was with them. Although the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, Put your finger here and see my hands, and put out your hand and place it in my side. Do not disbelieve, but believe. Thomas answered him, My Lord, my God. Jesus said to him, Have you believed because you have seen? Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. Now Jesus did many other signs in the presence of the disciples, which are not written in this book. But these are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. Powerful stuff, incredible stuff, as all of Scripture is. But we see Jesus appearing to the disciples once again in a similar, if not the same fashion that he appeared to them before. But this time, Thomas is present. Now, Thomas gets uh, a a lot of flack, and we've talked about this on the podcast before, uh, but we've talked about how Thomas asks great questions. So we know this uh, about Thomas from previous scriptures where we have seen him step in, and we have to take these into consideration. Why is Thomas unbelieving? Why is he in this place of doubting so strong that he says, unless I put my fingers in the nail holes and my hand in his side, I will never believe. Very harsh, um, very, he's talking about details. Unless I do these specific things, put my fingers in the nail holes and my hand in his side. Because remember, Jesus was, was nailed to a cross and his side was pierced. And when his side was pierced, blood and water ran out, signifying that he was fully dead, not mostly dead like the princess bride, but all dead. He was fully dead. He had died on the cross. And so these were the indicators he, that, that it was Jesus, that there were nail holes and that there would be this, this pierced side. Um, and that's what Thomas is talking about. But what do we know of Thomas already? How did he get to this point of unbelief? We know from uh, John chapter 11, uh, we see that word gets to Jesus that Lazarus Lazarus is sick and dying. Like he's really, really sick. And when, when Jesus gets word of Lazarus being sick in John 11, he says, let us go to Judea again. And the disciples, this is chapter 11, verse, verse seven, uh, if you want to read along. The disciples said to him, Rabbi, The Jews were just now seeking to stone you, and are you going there again? And Jesus answered, Are there not twelve hours in the day? If anyone walks in the day, he does not stumble, because he sees the light of this world. But if anyone walks in the night, he stumbles, because the light is not in him. Of course, Jesus giving this 
this wisdom in the midst of this moment of panic like what are you what are you talking about we're going to go back to the place where where the Jews were looking to stone you and then he says and after saying these things he said to them our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep but I go to awaken him I go to awaken him the disciples said to him Lord if he has fallen asleep he will recover Now Jesus had spoken of his death, but they thought he meant taking a rest in sleep. Then Jesus told them plainly, Lazarus has died, and for your sake I am glad I was not there, so that you may believe. You may believe. But let us go to him. So Thomas called the twin, so this is the same Thomas. He's called the twin, as was indicated in uh, where we're at in chapter 20, verse 24. Thomas called the twin, said to his fellow disciples, let us also go that we may die with him. Let us also go that we may die with him. So what can be extracted from this statement from Thomas? We see in this picture that Obviously, the Jews got all riled up in Judea, and they're looking to kill Jesus, stone him to death, right? They were looking to stone him. Little did they know that Jesus' death was prophesied about, that he would be lifted up um, and not be stoned, that he would die on a cross and not be stoned in the traditional way that Jews would would execute somebody, but but he would be killed by the way the Romans would execute people. But the 12, not knowing this, thought they were going to their death. They were going to Judea and the Jews would find out and and that stuff was going to happen, right? But Jesus is focused on Lazarus, the individual. And he's like, we're going to go. We're going to go. But Thomas, in this moment where maybe there's a lot of panic, He says, let us go that we may die with him. So we can extract from this, and this isn't definitive, but we see loyalty within this. We see courage within this. Maybe a little bit of cynicism because he's he's predicting they're going to die as well. Um, So he, he sort of has a little bit of a pessimistic outlook on this, right? Let us also go, but he's being courageous and loyal, and he's going to follow Jesus just like all of these disciples have committed to do, that as Jesus called them out of whatever they were doing, come and follow me. They have followed him. And and Thomas is in line with that. He's loyal. He's courageous. He's willing to go where Jesus would go. This is the first thing, this is the first moment we see in in within this gospel that that we get to extract some things about Thomas. And some things that need to be taken into consideration as we see Thomas's unbelief in chapter 20. Then again, we see Thomas. Uh, Again, we have talked through this this text uh, pretty extensively, but in chapter 14, John 14, verse 1, it says, let not your hearts be troubled. This is Jesus speaking. Believe in God. There's that word believe again. Believe also in me. Believe He's calling them to belief. In my father's house, there are many rooms. If it were not so, 
would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and will take you to myself, that where I am, you may be also, and you know the way to where I am going. Now Thomas said to him, Lord, we do not know where you are going. How can we know the way? How can we know the way? Jesus said to him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. So in in the midst of this, we can extract that Thomas isn't afraid to ask questions. He's a pursuer of the truth. He wants to know the truth. He wants to know the way. He's not shying away from the question, and and he's he's leaning into this conversation that Jesus is having with his disciples. He's one of three that ask questions in the middle of the upper room discourse where Jesus is unpacking what is going to be available to them, uh, that they will be able to abide in him and him in them, and the helper will be sent uh, to help them live in the life that Christ will provide on the cross, that as the veil is torn, that they can enter into the Holy of Holies and and be with God and live in the life that Christ provides. Live in the way, live with Christ, interacting with Christ, experiencing Christ daily through the power of his spirit and through his presence by the reading of his word. And, and Thomas doesn't shy away from this. So we're, we're, we're collecting that Thomas is a, a loyal, courageous, uh, he's faithful to the truth, he's faithful to Jesus. And, but, but then we see back here in chapter 20, we see this unbelief, this almost unmoving unbelief. As the disciples are saying to Thomas, he says, we have seen the Lord. He's, they're trying to convince him that they saw him. Come on. I saw it with my own eyes. I know there are many of us that can think about a person that we're trying to convince in our life. We're trying to convince, hey, I have seen Jesus do incredible things in my life. If if you're not taking my word for it, here's the historical evidence that the Bible is true, that these are ancient historical texts inspired by God. There is supernatural power behind it, but they are historically accurate that there aren't any historical documents that disprove scripture, that disprove scripture. You could, you could take so many different angles in trying to convince somebody that Jesus is Lord, that this story, this message of rescue and redemption is true, of God loving his creation, his children, humanity, and making every way for us to come to him. But Thomas, just like maybe some of our friends or family members, digs his heels in. This is one who walked with Jesus. I've had a friend who who has seen incredible things uh, at one point in his life, and I pray that he has come back to the Lord and truly come back to the Lord. He saw supernatural things happen on the mission field. We were in YWAM together, and he just wanted to go his own way. (laughs) And he was choosing not to believe. 
I'm reminded of him as I read these words. Thomas says to them, unless I see in his hands the mark of the nails and place my finger into the mark of the nails and place my hand into his side, I will never believe. I don't know about you, but as I read this, and granted, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of a crier. I get emotional uh, reading scripture especially, but there's a lot of heartbreaking things in life. And in this same text, we see Jesus as he reveals himself to Mary Magdalene. He says to her, he says, but go to my brothers. This is the first time we see Jesus refer to the disciples as this. And it, and it calls this, this intimacy. He calls them brothers. At another point, he, he calls them friends. That Thomas was close and they relied on Jesus. He provided for them uh, physically, mentally, spiritually for, for the entirety of his ministry, for the entirety of, of them walking with him. At times, he provided food. At times, he provided even taxes, pulling it out of the, the mouth of a fish, right? Like he was their provider, but more than that, he was their friend. They walked with him. They talked with him. They were day by day with Jesus. And I can imagine Thomas was heartbroken. And if we see beforehand, when Jesus revealed himself beforehand, we see that Thomas was nowhere to be seen. He was by himself. He had reclused. And I can only imagine that this is, this is not because he's doubting who Jesus was as a friend or a brother, but he was mourning. He was mourning. This is a courageous, loyal, um, truth-seeking friend who clung on Jesus' every word. And he panicked when Jesus said, I'm leaving. And as Jesus dies on the cross, you can imagine he is mourning. He doesn't know where his friend has gone, even though he answered and said, I am the way. What, what does that mean? If you put yourself in Thomas's shoes... What does that mean? What does that mean? I think it, it's important to remember and recall that just like most people in ancient times, Thomas had two names. And the first was Thomas and the second was Didymus. And Didymus, the reason why it says called the twin the word for twin is Didymus. And no one knows who um, Thomas's twin was. There's no like historical evidence of Thomas's twin. But wouldn't it be just like Jesus to put that detail into scripture, basically calling to our minds who could be Thomas's twin? Who... Who could be this person that could relate maybe with Thomas? In the middle of this moment of panic, retracting away from everyone, mourning, reclusing, 
sad, confused. And yes, I'm sure there was doubt in there as well. Man, I had this friend who unpacked life to us. And, and 75% of the things he said, we didn't even understand. But, but there was something about him. We just followed him and, and now he's dead. In moments where you see God show up in incredible ways, it's easy to be courageous and loyal and say, yeah, to the death, let's, let's go regardless of the consequences. But when it seems like Jesus is far away, and in this moment, I'm sure Thomas felt like Jesus was far away. For me, I, I see that where he's called the twin, he could be my twin, because I've experienced that same thing before in life. Like, Jesus, where are you? Where are you right now? I need to hear your voice. I need to see you. He says, I will never believe. I will never believe. But just like Jesus has done throughout all of history, it says eight days later, his disciples were inside again and Thomas was with them. Although the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them and said, peace be with you. Peace. Ministering peace right off the bat. I love it. Then he said to Thomas, put your finger here. <laughs> Do you realize Thomas said, the only way I will believe is if I put my finger in the nail holes. And Jesus comes and, and he, he takes the exact criteria that Thomas lays out. And it says, we are not to test the Lord, right? Except for in cer certain circumstances, right? Um, I think it's with, uh, with giving, right? It says you can test the Lord, but we're not supposed to test the Lord. But in, in essence, Thomas was unintentionally putting Jesus to the test, but Jesus comes and he says, go ahead, put your finger in the nail holes. So kind and gentle meeting Thomas where he's at and saying, put your finger in the nail holes, my friend, my brother. And here, look at my side, put your hand in my side. And many, I, I think there's some back and forth that scholars say, like, if this is the glorified body, the resurrected body, why did he still have um, nail holes and a hole in his side? Um, I, I tend to err on the side of, he, it was for Thomas. It was for Thomas. That's why he still had the nail holes and that's why he still had the hole in his side because Jesus has done everything in all of history to reveal himself to humanity and to say that I love you and I see you. Would you just do this one thing? Believe. Just believe. And in our moments of unbelief, in our moments where we are confused and mourning and doubtful, he shows up and he says, put your finger in the nail holes, put your hand in my side. I am real. I am true. I am the way, the truth, and the life. Come to me, abide in me, and I will abide in you. He says, do not disbelieve, but believe. 
He calls Thomas to belief. He says, Have you believed because you have seen me? Blessed are those who have not seen me and yet have believed. I've seen this happen in my life as Thomas's twin, that in the moments where I really need to hear God's voice and I really need to see him, he always shows up. And he reveals himself in ways that either through his word or speaking to me or speaking through somebody else. He always reveals himself. He always reminds me that he's there. He always encourages me and empowers me with the truth that he is working and he is moving and he still loves me and sees me. He calls me back to fix my eyes on him. And as I say that, that sometimes he speaks through other people, this brings up a great point. Thomas went to be by himself. He went to be by himself. Where that leads, when we go off on our own in our doubt, in our sadness, in our pain, when we go off on our own, that leads to self-pity. That's self-focused. That's taking our eyes off of Jesus and putting it on ourself. Community is so important. Thomas, this disbelief crept in because yes, there was pain. Yes, he was missing his friend, his brother, but he was missing his Jesus, his Lord and his Savior, the one who created all things. He knew him and he walked with him and he missed him. But when we get by ourselves, that's a dangerous place to be. That's a dangerous place to be. And maybe you're in a place of of doubt with everything going on in the world. Where is Jesus in the midst of this? I would encourage you to read his word and he will speak to you. Even this morning, I read in the word for a long time. Because God said, read to this chapter. And when I put my face to the ground to, to pray with him, in the way that I pray with him, he just said, I've enough said. I've spoken to you already. Through, through his word. That's how he speaks to us. Primarily. Another way that we are encouraged towards him It's really outlined in Hebrews 10, verse 19. Let me read it to you. Therefore, brothers, since we have confidence to enter the holy places by the blood of Jesus, by the new and living way that he opened for us through the curtain that is through his flesh, and since we have a great priest over the house of God, pay attention to this. Let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith, with our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold fast to the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. Jesus will show up and he'll say, put your fingers in the nail holes. But listen to this, verse 24 And let us consider how to stir up one another. How to stir up one another. He's talking about community here. 
to love and good works. And let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together, as is the habit of some, but encourage one another, and all the more as you see the day drawing near. He's, he's calling us to meet together. Don't, don't fall into this, this habit or this, this habit of some that he, he calls it, the habit. There's this habit of us retracting and pulling away in pain and sadness. And that can lead to things like disbelief because of self-pity. It's a selfish action. But when we draw near to one another, when we draw near to one another, we can encourage each other to love and good works, encouraging one another. Community is so important. And we see this with Thomas in in chapter 20. In chapter 20. We see Thomas get away from community. And what happens? It causes him this disbelief, this unbelief. In John 3 within this text, we see a picture of what Jesus is ultimately calling Thomas to. He says, do not disbelieve, but believe. He shows up. He reveals himself. He says, here are the nail holes. Here is the hole in my side. Put your fingers here. Put your hand here. I'm here, Thomas. Look at me. Fix your eyes on me. And then John goes in to emphasize. Now Jesus did many other signs in the presence of the disciples, which are not written in this book. But these are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. This is the in a sense, the thesis statement of, of the gospel of John, that it's written so that the reader would believe. That's why he has written out witnesses, selected specific miracles. And he's laid out only these, these crafted or not crafted, these, these specific moments. Yes. Crafted moments by God. Um, these specific moments to highlight that Jesus is the Son of God, that he is the Christ, the Messiah, the Mashiach, that he is the Savior of all of humanity, that he is the Rescuer, the Redeemer. And what John is trying to call is the same thing that Jesus is calling of us all. In John 3, we see this conversation with Jesus and Nicodemus. And Jesus lays out, early on in their conversation, he talks about one must be born again. And we as human beings have no part in our birth. You you were not a part of your own birth. That was all your dad and your mom, we're not going to get into that. Um, but then 
you know, there was a struggle in giving birth to you. But you weren't a part of that. You weren't the one swimming out of the womb. There were other factors at play that brought you into the world. And Jesus says that of our salvation. He says we are saved by his work and his work alone. But then the conversation transitions. And it says in verse 9 of chapter 3 in the Gospel of John, Nicodemus said to him, how can these things be? And Jesus answered him, are you the teacher of Israel, and yet you do not understand these things. Truly, truly, I say to you, we speak of what we know and bear witness to what we have seen, but you do not receive our testimony. If I have told you earthly things and you do not believe, how can you believe if I tell you heavenly things? No, no one has ascended into heaven except he who descended from heaven, the son of man, referring to himself. And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so must the son of man be lifted up. That whoever believes, there it is, whoever believes in him may have eternal life. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him, there it is again, should not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. Whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe is condemned already because he has not believed in the name of the only son of God. And this is the judgment. The light has come into the world And people loved the darkness rather than the light because their works were evil. For everyone who does wicked things hates the light and does not come to the light. Lest his works should be exposed. But whoever does what is true comes to the light so that it can, it may be clear and seen that his works have been carried out in God. In in that portion of scripture, the word belief is used seven times. It's what Christ is calling us to. It's what John is calling us to. It is our responsibility. It is the one thing that Jesus is asking us to do in this process of walking with him is to believe in him. He has shown up to you through history, through the the writing and preserving and protecting of his word. He has revealed himself to you, all of us. Who he is, is uncovered and unpacked and revealed in his word and accessibility to his word and understanding his word is available to you through the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. He lived perfectly. He died horrifically and he rose from the grave, defeating sin and death, tearing the veil in the temple that the Holy of Holies would be made available to you. You can come to know him and not just that, 
that is enough to believe on its own. But in my life, I have seen Jesus show up time and time again and continue to reveal himself through the power of his spirit, through continuing to reveal himself through prayer and the reading of his word, read, pray, fast. These disciplines are so important in our life. He will continue to show up and say, put your fingers in these holes. Put your hand in this hole in my side. He is faithful to save and rescue us from, self, from self-pity, from doubt, from disbelief. But he is calling you to believe. And why is this? It's because if you don't believe in the person who is made available to you, then you will not enter into eternal life. It says here in chapter 17 of John, it says, And this is eternal life, that they know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. The point is to know God and to have a relationship with him. If you don't believe in the person you are having a relationship with, then it's not a relationship at all. Do you see how that works? You have to believe in him, to know him, to come to him, to relate with him, to experience him and experience his power in his life, um, in your life. This story of Thomas and his unbelief, it points out these crucial things. We need community. We cannot be an island. We cannot recluse that leads to dangerous places like self-pity and unbelief. We also need to be looking for Christ, trusting that Christ will reveal himself and he continues to. And as we hear his voice and we see him, as we are a part of a community that encourages one another towards Christ, as we read the word daily and as we pray and we talk with him and we experience his presence daily in the quiet places and even in our life in general, we see him working, moving, speaking. We are called to believe in him and he does the rest. It is not passive, it is active. That he has sought us through all of history. We must seek him and believe in him and live the life that he created us to live, bearing his image, bringing his image to the whole world. God, would you help us in this? Would you help us to believe in you? Would you increase our faith? Would you increase our belief in you? Would you increase our desire and our love for you? Would you guide us through your word? Would you give us a love for your word? God, we need your help in knowing you and loving you. I love how we need you to love you. Would you help us? Would you come to us? Everyone listening right now. I pray that this is a blessing to you. And we seal these things saying in Jesus' name, amen. And I hope and pray that this was helpful today. Hey, that rhymes. Uh, we will be picking up in chapter 21 next week. So we will see you then. Looking forward to it. <laughs>